0: completely eradicating not just reducing completely eradicating i believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for mondays not fridays and get to do their most meaningful work the aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content but instead shift the context under which you operate This podcast is titled Choosing Leadership because that is what leadership is, a choice. In each episode, I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable, but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves. And for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way, let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action, as those were the moments when you chose leadership. At the end, I will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast. And with that, let's get started. Kevin is the founder and CEO at Nostra Technologies, based in Ireland. In the interview, Kevin shares his journey to leadership and business and also his passion for technology. He shares how his company went through a very tough time right after the 2008 financial crisis and how it took him and his company almost six years to get back up. And ever since 2014, they have been on a growth curve and continuously expanding, both by hiring and acquisition. We also spoke about the lessons that he has learned from that experience, the people he could rely on, the value of transparency and honesty in business, and also the importance of putting people first. He shares his vision for Nostra for the next 10 to 15 years, and while at the same time he expressed his gratitude for his family and everybody else whom he works with. Hi, Kevin. Welcome on the Choosing Leadership podcast.
1: Thank you very much. Nice to be here.
0: Wonderful. Glad to have you here. To begin with, for our listeners, can you share a little bit about who you are and what do you do?
1: Yeah, no problem. Also, I'm Kevin O'Lakson. I'm founder and CEO of an Irish manage service provider, an IT outsourcing company in other language. And we would look after, manage and outsource the IT for about 250 companies around the world. The predominant trade of those is that they're typically Irish or UK headquartered companies, but multiple offices typically in multiple countries. So on a daily basis we would manage about 25 end users. And there's about 250 people in our business that are resident in Ireland, the UK, the US and then Europe.
0: Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Can you share a little bit of your backstory of how you came to where you are today?
1: Yeah, we look lots of different reasons why people end up where they are. So, my story is quite straightforward. I picked the wrong college course. I did computer application because it was perceived by my career guidance teacher that I would put a computer, so I should do a course with computers written in the name. And what I probably learned afterwards was I enjoyed. The physical side of computers, I enjoyed making them, putting them together. I used to sell them. I didn't really like, and when you actually think about that, I enjoyed the people side. So I didn't actually like sitting in front of a computer typing code. I liked to understand it, but once I understood it, I didn't really want to spend time in front of it. I actually found it very hard to sit in front of a PC for four hours and and not interacting with the people around me. So after four months in computer applications at DCU, I decided it wasn't for me. So I left. Then I told my parents I had left college and I took a job for six months in an Irish IT company. And then at the end of six months, I went to go back to college to do a business degree, they offered me kind of option to double my salary, give me a company car and a laptop. And as a 19 year old at that time, I felt I had no choice but to take it. So I did. And then I worked my way up to that organization, finishing as CEO designate after, after six years. And I decided it's time for me to do something on my own. And I looked at different things. I actually looked at that time, the property market was booming. I considered getting into property. I did a very small amount of travel, but I intend to do a lot of travel, but I realized I didn't like travel either. And then I just decided, I felt it was an opportunity at that time, which I would miss if I did too much travel, which was around simplifying people's IT systems. And just before the cloud was out, I'm talking about 2006 and 2007, and you were starting to see technologies that were coming in where you could, instead of buying 10 servers, buy one with products like virtualization. And I decided it was a time to do it, so I launched a, a master of the virtualization company in 2007. I put all of my savings into it, so every penny I had more, and and ultimately we took off very quickly. We a phenomenal an first year. And then I'm sure everyone listening is aware of what happened in 2008 and the global meltdown of the world. And ultimately, our business fell off a cliff. We had six or seven really hard years spending every day just trying to survive, trying to hold on to people, trying to pay bills, trying to balance that block. And then in about 2014, we got our historical debts paid off. We got back at a level playing field. And we knew very much what we were about at that point. Really, we've grown at 30, 40% a year since then. So since 2014, we've gone from 2 million a year, 40 million a year. We've gone from 15 people to 250. We've done four acquisitions. We'd look after some of the leading global companies around the world and brands Well, lots of people would be aware of. And I suppose our key strategy has been get a customer look after everything to do with IT, including the supply of people if they require it, and then keep the customer for as long as you possibly can. And our experience today is we very rarely lose a customer. And if you're not using customers and you're adding some all the time, it allows you to have the kind of growth that we've had Next couple of years, we're skipping on to what you might be asking me, but our intention is that we will in the next year, four years grow to be a hundred million. And that's actually a slowdown in our current growth and we'll factor in that because of the different headwinds that are in the world today. And then our intention is from that point over over the following ten years to go to being a billion euro company. And we want to do it at a steady pace. So we don't want to do in five years or eight years like we're looking at 15, 20 year plan
0: to achieve. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that uh like big picture from the past to the future. It's quite amazing that you're already thinking fifteen to twenty years ahead. But before before going there, so you said that you were always Good with people, and then you shared about your journey when you became a CEO in the previous company, and then you started and took a big risk by investing all your finances, all your money. So, can you share is there something which is pulling you towards leadership, towards taking a risk? What are some of the key events or key people who have shaped you?
1: I think you- I was blessed with an upbringing that I was surrounded by entrepreneurs in my my for my mom and dad both independent entrepreneurs. My I had several uncles who were entrepreneurs and my dad's friends would have been entrepreneurs. The thing I would say is when you grow up in that environment, it's almost normal to have your own business rather than working for somebody else. So I think having that ingrained from a very young age, my dad would have often spoken to me very candidly about earnings and making sure that we were setting ambitions that were high is he didn't want any of us to be in a position that we we didn't have a good life, ultimately. And he wasn't somebody who felt he had done well and he should hand it all across to you. He can very much stand on your own two feet, get out and become a success on your own. And I think that has led to evolve very well. I think I grew up in a pub and in a pub, you whether you're social or not social, you need to learn to be social pretty quickly and you develop the social side. I actually like people and hearing stories and telling stories and all those pieces which are important. Probably that, those two pieces might answer that question. I would also say, look, I I wouldn't have the same view now, but when I started out, I was like, I, I was from a very young age, I was a car fanatic. And I remember being in the UK and walking into a Ferrari dealership. And I remember looking at the had a. Ferrari twice and then they underneath it, they had, I can't remember, like, 3,000 pounds and what's the cost of this Ferrari if you want to lease it or rent it or whatever. I remember looking at it and working out my head and going, Oh my God, you have to earn 60,000 euros a year just to pay the lease on the Ferrari. And like, those kind of things always brought me back to I need to be working for myself to get to be able to do the things I want to do in life. Thankfully, I had learned that my wife and kids are far more important than any of those things and, and we have to prioritize. And that was definitely an area by the way I took the wrong view on at a young age. And, and what I've probably learned in that eight or ten year period is that you can concessions and things don't amend somebody's happiness. People's happiness comes from the people that are around them. And one of the things that that I'm blessed with is having a great family. A very supportive wife, amazing kids. We're just all flying, all three of them are doing so, so well. And then from a company point of view, I love the business I'm in because I love the people that are in the business. And actually, it's great to come in and there's great crack in the office and getting up and down, dealing with issues that come in. And we're in the, we're almost in the ambulance business. Customers call us when things go wrong. But actually, that doesn't mean it has to be a negative challenge. And actually, we the learned is that when stuff goes wrong, customers really want to ring this because they know we'll get it dealt with, get it sorted. And that actually is, is a great blessing to have from our perspective. So I think, yeah, those people is, in my opinion, every business is about people. And you have to get yourself in a place that you're in a good place personally, and then you can grow a business. Trying to grow a business when you're not in a good place, which I did for the first five or six years of Nostra, is a very hard thing to do when you get yourself in a good place and you're happy fundamentally happy as a person then you can grow rapists and attract great talent to get great
0: thank you thank you kevin for sharing that and also adding right to the happiness piece i think it's so often missed in the chase for results or numbers. Yeah, yeah. Another thing which really interests me is that I have also have a background in technology. And you are working with, with a team of technologists as well as like you are talking about technology with your clients. And many times I have seen that that is a world where which can get very analytical very rational and leave the people side, leave the emotional side out of it. How have you seen that evolve for yourself and then for also for the people who you, whom work with you?
1: I think to work in the technology industry, you need to have a passion for technology. I think it's very hard. There is a perception if you go into IT you make loads of money. But I think it's very hard to, to make money in technology. So you don't actually like technology. Right? So, like I do like it, what I'm interested in. If I'm in an airport. I'll buy a car magazine and a tech magazine and I'll read them on the play right, every time. And when I'm all reading about what the latest technology is, what the latest phone is, gadgets and some cool technology that's and I'm actually definitely even thinking yeah, at the moment topical the sky device that was released a couple of months ago, one wire into your wall and your skybox disappear. The television has phenomenal sound quality. And it, it's a new way for Sky to deliver technology, but actually they're improving the television experience for people by integrating your soundbar, Skybox, and your TV into one. I just find very simple innovation, but actually it's interesting and brilliant, but we don't sell style style. boxes, and both have to do it, but I really find that interesting. And yeah, I read that in a magazine for but... six or eight weeks, ago so I ordered the Skyglass TV and I have to say it's phenomenal technology. We're always looking, I'm just back from a trip to Austin, Texas, where yeah. We spent time at Dell's head office looking at all the things they're doing in terms of innovation. Really impressive. We were listening to the greatest minds in our sector. Our team have been at the down. I think it's very important to balance you because if you spend all your time on the technology front, you're going to miss the customer need. And so what we always try to do is listen to the customer, listen to the market, and listen to what technologies are coming down and trying to marry and quite often, and I always find this is maybe serendipity or whatever, but we go out to a customer, they'll tell us about an issue they have just in a side conversation. I'll think nothing of it. Three weeks later, I'm at a technology conference and they're talking about whatever he would say, uh, customers getting out, we've not being able to get an accountant. I'm at a technology conference and they're talking about innovation and in accounting systems to automate different job roles at 30, 40% of people's time. And I'm going to actually my customer was telling me, he can't get an accountant to them, one. So I ring him and say, I might do direct transparency. Okay. Well, actually I found a company that automated a lot of the things that you do. And potentially, if you put it in, you might not need them. And then you go out and have a conversation and we would sit in on that conversation and customer around the far. We're not supplying the tech. It's not part of to do, but we try and bring that value out all the time. And then if that works for that customer and it actually makes sense and they sign off on it then we'll engage and see, is that something we can bring to the rest of our base. So what I would say is I spend half my time with customers, half my time with our internal team and our suppliers, and always listen, to trying to see what the issues are out there, what are the new solutions and what's the product market fish. And one of the things we've been particularly good at is actually identifying what technology is out that's going to really make a difference and what ones that aren't. Mm. And then we've never cared about making money on product. So I might often get a uh, note to say, here's a new piece of technology. We could make massive margin on it. When we look at it and say, yes, we could definitely convince our customers to buy this, but we don't believe it's going to be the future. And if I go back eight or 10 years ago, the view of everyone in our sector was desktop as a service was going to come in within two years. Everyone will be logging into a PC, connected to the internet, working on a cloud desktop, and it will be revolutionary. The only reason that was revolutionary at the time was the margin for MSPs was like 50%. And instead of selling a PC at a hundred quid margin, you're actually, in theory, getting 200 quid margin per year for five years. You're making 10 times the amount of money. And all the MSPs jumped on the malware except for us. We said, sorry, this doesn't make financial sense. It's not as good a solution as having it on your desktop at the time. Now it's a proven, but it's still not a solution brewing. So I think because we understand people, we understand the customer need and we understand the technology, it helps us make better decisions in those scenarios. And then the great thing is when our competitors get it wrong, we end up getting loads of people coming to and saying, listen, we moved to the channel completely. It's a complete disaster. And now we want to move back to our premise. And by the way, I don't mean servers. I don't think anyone really should have servers in your office anymore. But well, for the majority of organizations, having your desktops in your office or on your laptops is still a very powerful way to operate in longer business.
0: Absolutely. I loved how you focused on listening, right? And also you mentioned that the intention was not to make money, but to serve the customers and listening played a big role. It's not just uh, when you acquire them, but also continuously listening for the problems or challenges that they're facing. Thank yeah. you for adding that. And you also talked about uh, 2008 and that mm-hmm. period of five to six years when you were going through a rough time. How did your leadership, how did your views evolve during that time? And how, what role does it play now, especially give, given the vision you shared for the next 15, 20 years? Oh, look, I,
1: I could call my time to 08, 14. It was like an MBA in what not to do. If I'd start, right, again, I'll bring it back to the turn on. We had a phenomenal January, February, March of 08. I got a Porsche chain. And I'll tell you the full story of this car. I got a Porsche chain in March of 08. And at that time, I would have been able to pay for that in six months of property. In April of 08, our new drop by 90% because the leasing companies who lease technology in Ireland pulled out, Bank of Scotland pulled out and Bank of Ireland announced they were a to be doing technology leasing. anymore. And they didn't release it. I don't even think today they have out of the product. Maybe they do. Um, but they got out of technology leasing, both at the same time. All of the solutions we delivered at that time, delivered on technology leases. So we went from doing 300,000 a month to doing 30,000 a month in one month. We went from making about 40,000 a month to losing about 40,000 a month in one month. But yeah. nobody knew it was long-term because every our prospect list was building. Customers were saying, yes, I want to do this. Yes, I need to do this. Then Northern Rock went bust. Then you had Lehman Brothers, you had all of the bad news. And then all your prospect list re-delay again. And we went until the end of the year where... We hadn't made a decision. We hadn't cut staff, we hadn't cut salaries. We were losing 40 grand a month. We ended up actually went up to losing 60 grand a month. We were almost a million euro negative at the end of 2008. We didn't have any cash. We ended up borrowing the Irish revenue money. We owed all our suppliers money. And, and it was that a really, it was end of the road stuff. And we went out and we met every single supplier. We begged them not to move us. And then we went to every single customer, and we explained everything in Rio And they almost all paid us all the money they owed us up So we got a little bit of cash in, and then with that cash, we were able to manage customer expectation, take a new focus, cut salaries by twenty percent, we could let a couple of people go, and then we really just worked very hard to make sure that we met all the commitments we'd agreed with customers, and that took years. And it was a really difficult period and the amount of times that the directors in the company had to have their salaries delayed for the following couple of years, it was, it was right. But the learning in was, we learned how to survive. We learned how to negotiate. We learned how to like, we didn't lose any people during that period. And we even had some of the internal staff saying, listen, I've got a credit card if we need to, to buy things. I had unbelievable support from everybody. So probably the big thing that happened was in, in about 2010, I made a decision that I, that we had survived for two years in this mode, that we were through the worst of it and we were going to push on and get to 5 million euro revenue at the time. And I sat the team down. We set a clear expectation. How we was going to get there? We pushed very hard. It probably took us four or five years in that point to get to 5 million, but we did it. And then obviously the belief of the team rolled up, everything rolled up. We said we'd go from one to 5 and done it. And then we said, okay, let's go from five to 20. We did that in another five years. And now we've just said we're going to go from 20 to 100. We're already at 30. We're probably, we're recording revenue business. We're most likely looking at. 42, 43,000 next year without doing an acquisition. And our intentions is to do two. So we're hoping to do the land region, 50 million next year. And at 50 million, we're halfway to our 100 million euro goal. But if you go back to 2010, that was an entirely unachievable objective. And we were rejected from everyone. Everyone told me to the business. Our accountants resigned on multiple occasions because they told me I was nuts. Which I was, by the way, and not saying I wasn't. But everyone around, when I went to the bank to ask them for a loan, bank manager literally nodded his head and told me it was the worst set of accounts that he'd ever seen in And considering we were at the bottom of a recession, I think that's probably a testament to how bad they were. But it came down and one of the reasons our accounts were so bad was I wanted to look after the people. So at no point was I going to cut people that I cared about. We would carry everyone get through, which we did and then we went and that's something I'm very proud of. And I think we can, in good times, you don't learn anything or very little. In tough times, you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about what's important. I've lost it all. I literally had five years where I was going week to week trying to bring in enough money to pay myself a couple of hundred quid just to take it out to actually pay my own bills. And that was a very difficult period and a very puzzling experience. And it's funny, externally, people would look to me and say, you're driving around in a four sheet. And the reality was was behind on my payments on it, I couldn't sell it because of the recession, it was worth a quarter of what I owed on it. And if I had a solid, I did everything to pay off to the quarter. And I was several days when I couldn't leave home because I didn't have enough money for petrol. So it really literally came right down to the wire and stayed on the wire for a very long period of time.
0: Thank you. Thank you for reflecting and sharing all of that. And I think one thing which is standing out for me is your transparency with your customers, also with yourself, with your employees during that time. So easy sometimes to hide the bad news, Mm. especially if we build up an image or others build up an image of ourselves as a particular kind of a leader. It, It is sometimes easy to keep up the illusion, but that can cost a big time in the long term.
1: Yeah. Well, look, and you have to be real and honest with your team. And we have an amazing team. And right the way through the pandemic, we were very transparent, but don't we? Worked at every point to make sure that everyone knew what was going on. The current challenges in the market are there are big tech companies in the last six months have been offering massive pay increases to people. We've lost probably seven, eight percent of our team this year, which is the highest we've ever done. It's still actually quite a lot less than the market but we're not used to it here but people are moving for big numbers and then now we're looking in news. Even today tech companies are laying off their team like I see Trilio dropped 11% team globally and we've got probably 10 or 12 tech companies in Ireland who have announced job redundancies and cutbacks and even Intercom one of the really cool companies in Ireland by the way not suggesting that any of these companies have any challenges but the hiring that has been going on certainly so slowed down. And I think we've had a very difficult run in terms of getting people motivated because when somebody leaves for a much higher salary in a in an Amazon type LIGO like organization, it can make people who hasn't moved to that salary feel very undervalued. And that's been a that's been a challenge. But we have to deal with every challenge and we always deal with them transparency. We tell people what we feel, we tell them what we think. We're always looking for the long term. We certainly see the early signs of a recession kicking in. Being we're in September 22 now. Our expectation is, and certainly from all the market trends we're seeing, um, that there is a recession coming down the track. And we very much focus our business on making sure that our customers are okay in Dolcina. So we look at our client base, see what they have. And we'll scale back, or even if we have contractual obligations, of course, we'll scale the market to the customer needs that needs us to scale the market. Um, we'll always look and say, we will never be with the, the cause of a company getting into financial difficulty. Um, and that's a very important big piece for us.
0: Thank you. And as you look ahead into the future, right, what is next for you? You have been now doing this 15 plus years. Yeah. What is next for you? What are the big challenges? What gives you that motivation to keep at it?
1: Well, what I, one of the things that we're trying to do is create a long-term sustainable form of vision. So look, short-term objectives will be the biggest in Ireland in our space. We're certainly well within the top 10, probably arguably within the top five in in Ireland at this point, but we're, we are the fastest growing advantage. We want to continue to grow to be Ireland's largest MSV. We're a pure play MSP with lots of various IT companies that do other things other than managed um, services. So we want to go to be the largest in that space, which we'll do in the next couple of years. Beyond that, we'd like to have a shot at being the biggest and we will continue to acquire. We have a US acquisition and a UK acquisition on a roadmap for 23 and 24. And I suppose what we want to see is how big and successful can we grow the company to be? And then one of the things that we're very much looking at now is how can we maximize benefit to all of our own people. We set an objective years ago to help a million people in the lifetime. We're probably changing that a little bit to now go, well, how can we make the employees of Nostra to be more successful that they can be on an individual basis? And then how can they all share in our success as we grow out? And that's going to be a big part of our future. I would say, uh, and also, sorry, lastly, there's a change in the world. There's a change in how people want to manage their systems and technology. There's a of having sole or more workers. There's emerging of different industries, and in, like telecoms and IT have now really come together. And we're acquiring a telecoms company at the moment. And you're going to see where ERP systems and accounting systems are going to fold into IT. And all of those merging pieces are going to come together. And we want to be the front runner in that kind of consolidation space. And to get to a point where we can show, yes, you can build a big organization, but actually still be a great place to work, still care about your people and actually generate wealth for not just yourself, but actually your team. And one of the big changes we're going to make maybe now on year end is put in a share center scheme and a profit share scheme for our team to make sure that people who are here today and backed us today will be with us in full five years' time.
0: Thank you. Thank you for sharing both, I think both the bigger picture, the larger goals that you have in terms of the numbers, but also the vision behind it and how you are continuing to include people and not just chase the numbers as well. I think that's what sustains any kind of growth. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. No problem. Yeah, and to try to wrap it up, what advice would you have for any leader or entrepreneur who is struggling either with the changes in the market or with their own personal leadership? So I would say a
1: couple of things. One, you have to lean in. I'm using my brother Barry's phrase now. You have to lean in. So if you have a challenge in your business, go uncover it. Find out where it is. Find out what the solutions are. Work with your team to to get those issues resolved. And there's lots in companies that left unsaid and left undone. And for me, it's If you're not enjoying leadership, there's something wrong in company, go find us, figure out, have the conversation and deal with things as they come up. That's probably the first piece of advice, I'd say. The second thing I would say is that no matter what challenge or headwind comes in an organization, there is always a way out. There is always a way of... Of making, I'm not going to use the word pivot, but changing what you do and how you respond. One of my very friends did an amazing job. Pure marketing agency and event management company. Obviously, all events through COVID completely collapsed. And I have to say, the innovation of it's unbelievable. So he turned around and said, well, the COVID test center is an event. These crowds coming to a location that have to be controlled. And effectively became one of the number one. COVID testing organisations in Ireland. Right? No matter what happens, in my opinion, there is always an opportunity. But well, sit down with your team. If you have a serious headwind coming at you, talk about what are our options. But don't do those conversations in a boardroom where you have six people who may not be as connected with the organisation as the people on the front line. Get your frontline workers, get your management, mid-management, engineers or whatever business you're in, production, factory workers. Bring them into a room. What can we do? Share the problem and solve it. And and I think that's where true real innovation comes out. And lastly, I would say I think it's a very important time to make sure that your cash is building up. If you don't have cash, you need to look and see have you an ability to get some cash in through debt or any other form. But cash will be king in any crunch and very hard to get cash when you need it. So we are sitting there today and you don't need cash. You should be getting it. So in a year's time, if the world has dramatically changed, you have it and you can get through any particular challenge.
0: Thank you. I think all these, all three of the lessons that you shared, I think, are grounded in wisdom and what you shared about what listening to what is unsaid is so often we don't see that. And then the example you gave of your friend is such a wonderful example of not being bogged down by a setback or a failure. And even in that moment, Look for an opportunity because I see COVID was a very tough time for a lot of businesses, especially in the event of hospitality space. And that example is beautiful. It's like a child sees the world with wonder. Even in the worst situation, you see something gold and you create that. So thank you for adding that.
1: Yeah. And look, creativity and innovation, almost always come from where it's not expected. And that's the value, mixing a room and, you know. Friend somebody from your accounts department, they might tell you about their sister who's got a major challenge at her own job. That might be the future of your innovation. Have a random eclectic mix of people, put them in a room and try and come up with some ideas. And that is where true, true innovation comes from.
0: Wonderful. Thank you for sharing all of that. Uh, And I'm sure anybody who is listening is, and one of the key intentions of doing this podcast is to bring out these stories which shape us who we are, but sometimes they can get lost in the day-to-day. So I want Mm to highlight and celebrate these choices, difficult choices many times that we have to make as leaders, but which continue to make an impact. And as you said, as you shared, it's not about you. It's not about the Porsche. It's about a wider community. It's about making an impact which drives you. So thank yeah. you for sharing that. Yeah. So for anybody who is listening, how can they find out more about you? How can they reach out to you? Well, look,
1: anyone who's listening, I'm always happy to have a conversation. <laughs> they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's probably the easiest place. I, I would get a lot of communication on LinkedIn. I learned as a lot other people, or I would learn lots of other people, should I say. And business people anywhere always open to have a conversation. We're always hiring in the so we maybe 20 open roles this moment in time, we expect we'll hire another 40 people between now and year. So if anyone would like to go to the top, so we'll get the job here, reach out to me on LinkedIn directly. And, and I'll put you forward for something. If we're hiring at every department across the company. Well, it doesn't matter where people are based, either people in the UK, Europe and in the US. So we're always hiring anywhere. And then from a, a business perspective, so we also have a conversation and also look at somebody's having a significant challenge and I feel like I can deliver any value. I'm very happy to have a conversation or a call. And certainly as a business owner, lots of people say it's a lonely place and it is a lonely place. If anyone ever needs to take, communicate everything I'm not full, please feel free to do
0: this. Wonderful. Thank you, Kevin, for your time, for sharing everything that you shared. And I will make sure to add the, the links to your LinkedIn and also to your company page on the show notes when this episode is out. Thank, Thank you. Me. Okay. <laughs> Wonderful. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction. Not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, Can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of, To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality and I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved, and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.